Welcome to the East City Wesleyan Church podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you would like to learn more about East City Wesleyan Church, please go to ecw.org.nz for more information. Now, here's your podcast. It's good to be back here in uh, East City Wesleyan and to uh, be a spare tire. Fill in for Richard while he's away at the pastors and spouses retreat. So we're looking at this thought of being made in the image of God. What does it mean? Does it mean God looks like us? Is he bald? Brown? White? Wear glasses? What does it mean that we are made in the image of God? It doesn't mean God's made in our image. We are made in his image. So what is life? And why is it so valuable? Why, what makes humans different and special to any other animal? We keep track of statistics like 380 people died on New Zealand roads in 2018. And the government is spending billions to reduce that number because one life lost on the road is one too many. Life is important. But do we keep track of the possums and the pukekos and the rabbits that are killed on the road? No. Do we keep track of how many cows and sheep and pigs are slaughtered each year in New Zealand? But we keep track of the humans. And what about this statistic? Almost twice as many as the road deaths. 668 Kiwis took their own life last year because life's not worth living. So I want out of here. Life is valuable. But yet some people have thought it's valueless. I just want out of here. I'm tired of living. A sad statistic. 13,000 New Zealand unborn babies were killed last year. They never had a chance to live. Their mum decided, no, it's not convenient. It'll mess up my education, mess up my job, or for whatever reason, and that baby never had a chance to live. How valuable is life? Is life sacred? And now we've got a new thing coming on the horizon, euthanasia. And it's been through the first reading of Parliament, it's been through the second reading, and now they're doing the fine-tuning, but basically, patients will be able to request their doctors to either provide them with the medications so they can end their life, or authorize the doctor to put in a lethal injection, and it's all over. How do we as Christians respond to these things? These are social issues. What is life? Is it sacred? Is it valuable? How do we treat it? What makes us different and special to any other animal? We, euthanize, we do euthanasia on cats and dogs and cows and horses. Are humans just added to the list like some other animal? 
that when it's reached its use-by date, we can just get rid of it and so save expense. Oh, well, we're saying it's, it saves the person pain and it's presented as out of compassion and to save pain and to save suffering. But how do we treat it? How do we think about this? What is a Christian approach to this? There's two big conflicting worldviews that we are dealing with, a Christian worldview and a humanistic worldview. New Zealand was built on Christian principles. It went from the Treaty of Waitangi through till now. Christian principles have guided the, the rules, the regulations, the laws of New Zealand. But if people have turned aside from Christianity and adopted a humanistic frame viewpoint, it's changing everything. So what are, what's the difference? What do we mean by humanism? You don't hear about it much, but this is what our education system controls. What is the guiding thought in parliament and many times? What is it? Humanists are committed to the application of reason and science to understanding the universe and to solving human problems. If we have the right knowledge and the right amount of money and the right technology, we can solve anything. It believes that humans came into existence through natural processes like evolution. We're a result of change over billions of years, and this is where we are today. It says that humans are capable of being ethical and moral without religion or a god. A few years ago, there was a big notice board downtown that says, good without God. One million Kiwis are. There probably is no God, so don't bother about it. Just enjoy life. A humanist perspective. Humanists have no belief in an afterlife. When we die, we die. Full stop, end of story. We live on in memories, and that's all. And so they focus on seeking happiness in this life. And if this becomes our philosophy, and this if, if this is the philosophy of our politicians, euthanasia makes sense. It's sensible. If this life is all there is, and the goal is to enjoy life, well then when life is not enjoyable, just push the stop button. Turn it off. But as Christians, well, there's a number of problems with that perspective. The universe had a beginning. If you work on the Big Bang Theory, 13.7 billion years ago, this world suddenly exploded out of nothing. So what caused it? You can't say it was brought about by natural processes because there were no natural processes. Nothing comes from nothing. Everything comes from something. If there was nothing and then this universe exploded, what caused it? Richard Dawkins, the atheistic evangelist, cannot explain it. And then even if you were to say, okay, we have a universe and we have a world and we have sun and we have the moon 
and we have mountains and we have rivers and we have the right amount of oxygen, carbon dioxide and the amount of, right amount of salt in the salt water. Where did human life come from? Where did biological life come from? How do you go from inorganic chemistry to organic chemistry? DNA is extremely complex. It's like a computer code with three billion base pairs and it's found in every human, every cell, in every living creature. Very, very complex. It's like three gigabytes of information in every cell in your body and in every cell in any living creature. And they say, oh, well, we came from simple things to complex, but where did DNA come from? That's a big question that humanists can't answer. And then why are humans different to other animals? Where did conscience come from? If it was just natural processes, blind, unreasoning processes, chemicals reacting together, where did reason come from? Where did conscience, where do ethics and morality, who decides good or bad? Why do we have a conscience and why is that all over the world people have the same sort of basic values? If we're simply the result of biological change, where did these come from? As Christians, we have a different outlook in life. Our God is stronger. Our God is greater. God, you are awesome. A God of power, a God of love. In the beginning, this great, amazing, wonderful God created the heavens and the earth. And it's not just something that's found in the first chapter of Genesis. It's all through the scripture. It keeps coming back to the fact that we were created by an amazing, fantastic God. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the watery depths were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge. God who is all-knowing, all-wise, and all-powerful created this universe in all of its beauty. In John chapter 1, as John outlines the story of Jesus, he says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He's referring back to Genesis 1, where it says again and again, and God said, and God said, and God said. In the beginning was that Word. But there wasn't just a of empty word, that word became flesh and entered into our universe. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And then as we read this morning, the story about creating humans, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish, the birds, the livestock, the wild animals. Created to rule, created in God's image. 
So what does this image mean? What does it look like? And what is God like? If we are made in God's image, what is God like? A big boss with a stick? What is God like? God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. You read these through and you think, well, somebody's got their grammar all mixed up. Why does he say, in our image, in our likeness? And then goes on to say, so God created mankind in his own image. Reading it first time, you might say, well, make up your mind. Is it us? Is it our or mine? So this is very carefully written. The word for God is Elohim, which could be translated gods. So it uses a plural word for God, and then it uses singular verbs. God is saying something about who he is. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. We're all made in the image of God, whether male or female. Females are not less than males. We're all made in the image of God. But it says more than that. It's in that human relationship that the image of God is most clearly seen and understood. What is God like? So I want you in your imagination to go back to before creation, before the Big Bang, when there was just God. Who did God talk to? Was God in solitary confinement? Was God lonely and said, oh, this is boring, it's just me, I'm all here by myself, what am I gonna do? Maybe I should make some people, somebody to you know, talk to, interact with. Was God lonely? Let us make man in our image. The God we serve is not just an isolated, solitary one. He is God who is three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A God who is three in one. Where there is unity, one God. But that God is three in one. So there's unity, there's diversity in the very heart of God. It's who God is. There's community, there's fellowship, there's conversation, there's laughter, there's joy, there's love, there's peace. This is all part of who God is. So in the very beginning, before there was anything else, God was there, a community of love, a community of joy and harmony and fellowship. And this God who is three in one said, let's make man just like us so that we can relate to them and they can relate to us where love and joy and peace can be lived out in an extended basis. There's mystery, there's majesty in all of this. This is the God who created us. And so we were built for relationships Relationships is the very heart of God, is relationships. We were made for relationships. Relationship with each other. What are the things that are most precious to you? It's not money. It's not your house. 
it's relationships. It's children, it's parents, it's brothers and sisters, it's grandkids, it's friends. It's one of the things that we enjoy about coming to church is the relationships that we experience there. We are made for relationships with each other. We see it in tribes, in countries, national identity, relationships are so important. But there's also relationships with the world that God made to look after it, to care for it, to live in relationship with it so we don't pollute it and don't destroy this beautiful world that God has made. And then relationships with God of love, of trust, of confidence in relationship with God, made in the image of God. So being made in the image of God is something very special. It's what separates us from all other animals. That's why humans have cultures and cows and sheep don't. We are made in the image of God. God is the creator and God has blessed us with creativity. And we ex all of us express our creativity in different ways. You cook a meal, it's creating something. You work in your workshop, you're creating something. You write a story, create a song, do sewing, get dressed, you're creating an image. Creativity is part of it. Our work should be creative. When work is not creative, it becomes slavery. And we don't like boring, non-creative work. Reason, logic, science, technology, it's because God who is full of wisdom and understanding has made us in our image, in his image, and we want to learn and experience and know so much more. Why do people all over the world have a sense of justice? That's not fair. TV program, fair go. There's this basic sense of justice because God is the judge of the whole world. He made us in his image, and we as humans have this sense of justice, and we have a sense of conscience of what is right and what's not right. There's rulership, governance, administration. We were made to rule, to look after God's world. And because God is a God of love, we have compassion for the weak, for the vulnerable, for the ones who need extra special help. It's an opportunity for God's love to flow through us so that we can help those who are struggling and be the image of God, reflect God's love into the world. But, yeah, the image of God has been spoiled. We were made in the image of God, but something went wrong. And there's greed and selfishness and injustice and pride, and bullying, and brutality. And instead of ruling, we have tyrants and dictators. The image of God has been corrupted, spoiled by sin and selfishness. And that's what the gospel is all about. Jesus came to make all things new, bring us back into a right relationship, and restore us into the image of God. And the Holy, he gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can be changed from the inside out and reflect the image of God 
in a world that's looking for a way, looking for love and looking for hope. Because all people are made in the image of God, there's no room for racism. There is no upper or lower castes or classes. We're all God's children. We have equal dignity, worth, and honor because all of us, regardless of our cultural background or what part of the world we grew up in, we were made in the image of God. And so God is wanting to transform us into his image, and we are to care for the weak and the lowly. And so we read this verse in Genesis. Whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed, for in the image of God has God made mankind. What we do to other people is like we're doing that to God. These people were made in the image of God. When we cause suffering, we're bringing suffering to the heart of God. When we show love and compassion, we're demonstrating that to God. In the image of God has God made mankind. So do not shed human blood. God says, Humans are different to anything else. I give you all of these animals for food, but humans, no. So euthanasia weakens society's respect for the sanctity of life. Accepting euthanasia, sorry about these letters coming out in blue, it's hard to read. Except that the lives of the disabled and sick are worth less than others. We protect these lives, but these lives, no, no, we can get rid of them. It creates a difference. It says some are worth more and some are worth less. And voluntary euthanasia is the start of a slippery slope that leads to involuntary euthanasia. In some countries where euthanasia has been in practice for a while, they found that in emergency departments, Somebody who's been brought in as an attempted suicide is just sort of left in the corridor. Well, he tried to kill his life, so if he succeeds, no big deal. If he dies, it's no big deal. Life becomes devalued. You come to the doctor and it's a diagnosis of cancer and the doctor says, well, we could do chemotherapy, radiotherapy, surgery, but it's, it's very expensive. It could take a long time. Have you thought about uh, euthanasia as a medical treatment? You're offered death by the doctor in place of healing. So as this goes on, human life becomes devalued. And this is the danger that people fear. And when you have proper palliative care, they're able to take care of the pain so it's not about whether or not to turn off the life support machines. It's about authorizing doctors who are committed to healing to now start killing, providing them with medications that will cause the death. So it changes the whole approach of our medical system, makes it very hard for doctors and nurses that object to killing patients. These are some of the things, and so we need to pray for our government Pray for those that are making decisions that the right decisions are made. 
1,000 New Zealand doctors put an advertisement in the Herald, we do not support assisted suicide and euthanasia. Hospice New Zealand says, we don't support a change to the law to legalize euthanasia or assisted suicide in any form. The bill can create confusion. Why is suicide okay and not okay? And it dehumanizes people. Before long, it becomes the expected thing to end one's life. So in Oregon, up to 50% of those who choose euthanasia do so not because of pain, but because they don't want to be a burden to others. And so they feel it's my duty, I owe it to the family, it's the least I can do is to opt out and so others can get on with their life. I don't want to be a burden. You can see in Netherlands how it's taken off. First few years, not much change, and then it just became more and more accepted until over 6,000 people every year choose euthanasia. So we should relieve suffering when we can. We should be with those who suffer, helping them to bear their suffering. And we should never deal with the problem of suffering by eliminating those who suffer. So what hope do we have? As Christians, we have the promises of God. When it comes to those final stages of our life, Psalm 23 says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That gives great comfort, great hope to us. We believe in the resurrection. The grave is not the end. Jesus suffered and died and he will walk beside us. And Christians should do all they can to show compassion and help those who are suffering. It's because we were made in the image of God that Jesus was able to leave heaven, come to earth as a human, and enter into human society, human history, and provide salvation. We were made in the image of God so Jesus can come from heaven to earth to bring about salvation and redemption and new life for us. In Colossians it says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Jesus came to show us what God is like, and as he fills us with the Holy Spirit, he wants us to demonstrate to the world what a God of love looks like, that we can think like Jesus, talk like Jesus, act like Jesus, and demonstrate Jesus to the world around us. We who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We were made in the image of God. Sin has distorted that image. Jesus came to transform us back into the image of God so that we can demonstrate God and show his love to the world around us. I pray that God will help each one of us to just say, Holy Spirit, make me a reflector of your beauty, of your love and your glory into a world that has lost sight of God, his goodness and his glory. The Lord bless you.